Pray with me. You are such an amazing, powerful, awesome God. And this morning, we want to stop and admit and acknowledge that you are God, the creator of everything. We want to acknowledge that through Jesus Christ, you have reconciled us with you. And we do want to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place, convincing us and convicting us. And that's why what happens next in this time where we open the word for a few minutes, I want to ask for your blessing, for your presence in this place, Lord. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. How's everybody doing? Okay, the three people that really believed what I asked, right? How's everybody doing? I know you. I know you. I know when you guys watch the Patriots, it's a whole different ball game. Oh, sorry. Oh, I apologize for the people that don't. I know it's a different ballgame. So let me let me get this straight. Uh, welcome to Commission 2019. <laughs> Woo! Exciting! Exciting. We're going to be spending two days together, a day and a half together. And I want to tell you what you can get out of this these two days. If you, in a year, two, three, five years, look back, I want nobody to leave, you know, uh, uh, L.A., look back to 2019, Commission 2019, and not remember anything from it or think about anything that happened here. So I'm going to do my part to make sure that this is epic, that this will stay in, at least in your social media feed um, as an epic time. For some of you, the only thing you're going to get is you're going to meet your new Romanian boyfriend, girlfriend. That's all you get from this. You're not going to remember, hey, you know your parents sent you here for a reason. You know what that reason is. You think they put these events and pay money for nothing? So for some of you, you might get your new, you know, BFF or whatever, and you're going to form relationships, and that's all you're going to get. But I want to make sure nobody leaves this place without getting something out of this weekend, okay? And for that, the theme of Commission 2019 is, anybody knows? The theme? Well, you know what? The cool thing is I can make my own. <laughs> I'll make up one, right? But it's basically foundations of fate, going back to the foundations of fate. So... Um, we'll make a deal. I'll try to be short. You'll try to pay attention. Deal? I love this. Okay, good. So I want you to open your Bibles with me. Open them. Open your phones, your iPhones, your iPads, whatever you get. Open your Bible electronically or in whatever format you have to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to stay just in Genesis chapter 3 right there. Genesis chapter 3. Hey, it's a deal. I'll try to be short. You'll try to pay attention, right? So work with me here. Genesis chapter 3. The reason I want to start there is because if we're talking about foundations of faith, might as well start where everything started, right? And this whole weekend, I want to take you through a journey from all the way from, from realizing and acknowledging and knowing who you are, where you're coming from, what's going on in your life, to maybe, hopefully, some of you meeting for the first time in your life Jesus face to face. I mean, you're going to have an encounter with the living God called Jesus this weekend. I've prayed for it. There are people praying for it. I know He wants it. The only people, the only person left to, to do that part of the deal is you. And so I want to take you from that discussion of creation and where everything started to putting your face to face with Jesus tonight and in, in a very fresh new way. And then have a discussion about missions and missionaries and all that. And so I want to start with the fact that um, your generation, the, the parents' generation is missing a huge component of what's happening in your life. And when we talk about missions and we talk in terms of going to missions, we've already missed the discussion. I think in your generation, it, the going is gone. 
Distance has no more, no more power, no more value, nothing. Now it's all about being a missionary. And after every message I'm going to have with you this weekend, I'm going to have an action item and a challenge for you, as practical as it gets. I mean, you're going to understand how practical my challenge is, right? And tonight's, this morning's challenge is going to be for you to use your social media like you've never used it before. I'm telling I'm going to ask you, like no preacher, pastor, whatever speaker has asked you to use your phone in church. It's going to be epic, right? So I want you to use it, and I'm going to tell you how. Because I believe in the digital age, you have a platform, but nothing to say. No, don't get me wrong. It's not that you're not saying anything. You're saying a lot. Like, I was flying here from Portland, and I had a guy right next to me. He was a teenager, and he Snapchatted the entire flight. I mean, he Snapchat the whole thing. And you know what he did? You, you want me to tell you what he did? I have never in my entire life wanted to punch anybody in the face as much as I wanted to punch. Never, ever have I ever. He was using the flash. You know the flash that you get when you Snapchat? You know what I'm talking about. The flash. It was, it was a dark flash. It was no lights in the thing. And I was reading something. And all of a sudden, every two minutes for two hours, I wanted to be like, that's it. That's it. I'm going to a missions conference. But that is it. Can't handle it anymore. He was just, it was, I think he paid the $9 for the, for the Wi-Fi and he was just Snapchatting all along. It's not that you don't have, you know, you have a platform, but you're using it for absolutely nothing. Garbage. So today, I want to challenge you for you to use it for something really cool. So, let's, let's start the discussion. Genesis chapter 3. Are you with me there? Anybody, every single person in here, if you have your Bibles, you might as well have some form of a Bible. And if you have... Um, please open it to Genesis chapter 3. Here we go. I'm going to be in verse 8. 8 to 10. That's all. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking, the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the men and said, Where you at? Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to start the discussion with you this morning, Commission 2019, about one of the most intriguing, powerful questions ever recorded on the pages of the scripture. This is not only the most intriguing, this is the first question ever recorded in Scripture. And that question that I'm going to talk, talk about this morning is, where are you? Where are you? And this is a very intriguing question. I tell you, I, I have not scratched the surface of how much research has been done and how much we can learn from this question alone. So I'm starting with you a hashtag this morning for the whole commission 2019. And by the end of this 15-20 minutes that I'm going to get 15 minutes, I want you to understand why we're going to use this whole weekend hashtag, where are you? Hashtag, where are you? I want us to do something epic. I want us to take over, absolutely take over the hashtag, where are you? Can you do that with me? We're going to take it over. Everybody that posted a hashtag, where are you, to ask where their husbands are or wives are or where, where they left their car in their parking lot or any, anything, any, they're going to be flooded this weekend. Promise me you're going to flood the hashtag, where are you, with your Bible verses, with everything that you know it's relevant and cool from what you're hearing this weekend. Hashtag? Hashtag? Okay, this is an intriguing question. 
This is a very intriguing question. Now, I want to present to you why this question is actually very, very intriguing. Very, very intriguing. You know, um, a few weeks ago, and this is my opening statement that I'm making, State of the Union at the State of Missions Conference. Opening statement. A few weeks ago, you've seen it in the social media, you've seen it in the news, the only news you're getting on Facebook or on Snapchat, that New York has approved a law where somebody can make a decision to kill a baby all the way to... Right? And even an ignorant fool in Virginia this deciding to actually be able to kill that baby um, after it was born. And this hit home for me. This hit home. And unapologetically, I will talk to you about an event in my life that has revolutionized my life in the subject of babies and abortion. I have two beautiful daughters, two-and-a-half-year-old and, and tomorrow-one-year-old. You guys are worth a lot to me that I'm here when my baby is one year. Anyways, so you owe me to pay attention. <clears throat> so watch this. Three years ago, uh, we were expecting our first baby, our first baby girl. I love kids. I mean, I am like, I've been in youth ministry for 18 years. That tells you the amount of crazy there is in me. And at five months and some change, God decided that that baby is going to be born. And my wife gave birth to a baby girl at five months and only lived for six hours. And I got to hold in my hands. Watch this, please, please stay with me. I got to hold in my hands for six hours the most beautiful baby you've ever seen. Sorry, nobody competes with that baby. And I became a father instantly. Instantly. Like I was not a father and then she was born and I was a father. And if the doctor would have come inside and said, in order for this baby to survive, we need a heart. I would have not asked questions. I would have laid down on that table and said, take mine. Because that was my baby. She held my hand, she held my hand, she gave me a smile, and then God took her. Now hold on and listen to me. We live in one of the most wicked and darkest times of the world. Do not mistake for what I'm about to tell you right now. We have gotten to the point that not only we're willing to kill babies. I held at five months, please follow me, at five months that baby was fully developed and gave me a smile. I want you to have this in your minds and as your generation forever and ever and ever. Whenever you think about what's happening in New York and what's going to come around this country and these political decisions, if somebody's going to make a decision to kill a baby when they're nine months old, not five months, nine months, with everything ready to go, ready for this world, to come into this world, to open up that womb and come into this world of light. And it's actually a very, 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 very dark. Where somebody can on purposely make a decision, then they're going to kill a baby and nobody can do nothing. Not only that, hold on, hold on, hold on. That somebody can celebrate that. And so I wish, listen to me, I wish that that would be the depth of how evil we have gotten. I wish that we have just hit rock bottom as humanity and that is it. But I'm here to give you the gruesome news that's not even close. What happened? How, we, how did we get there? You know what's really cool? 
if this iPad of mine would have the power to read minds, this room would be scary. Scary. I tell you, just a scan. First, I think like halfway three branches, it would explode. Um, but, but just like imagine. And, and I want to tell you, this is the compass that I want you to have. If you that grew up in church all your life, your parents made sure you go to the Romanian church and do all the things and you walk through this. If I would put the combined thoughts of all the evil thoughts that all the things that are going on in your life, maybe that's going to give you a brief, very shallow understanding of where this world is. What happened? Where did it all go wrong? Well, welcome to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to, tell you, I want to talk to you about a world before uh, New York abortion law and before, before all this happened, a world of perfection. Stay with me. In Genesis chapter, chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, just one chapter before this, the scripture describes a world that is absolutely perfect. Perfect, perfect, not by man's standards, by God's standards. So you have your Bibles open, open to Genesis 1, verse 31. Genesis 1, verse 31. 1, 31. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Hey, not good. Good in, our, good in God's standards is excellent and beyond perfection in our standards. But he said, God said that everything he created was very good. He created a perfect world, a beautiful world, beauty that we cannot describe today. Genesis 2, verse 16. Digitally. Now, let me tell you about this perfect world. God said, he looked and everything was perfect. And he said, you may freely eat. I'll stop there. What a perfect world. You can eat as much as you want. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Actually, I really think that's really funny. You imagine, I honestly, I can't wait. I think when we get to heaven, that's what I'm going to do. Eat. The, the more I eat, the better I look. Right? Think about that. God created a world and he told people, you can freely eat as much as you want. Are you guys, you're just fakers, man, a bunch of fakers. You know that I'm talking about a perfect world. But God said, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. A world of freedom, a world of beauty. And Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, right before this whole situation come down. The Lord God made all sorts of trees, all sorts Grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful. That produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden. He placed the tree of life. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you think. You know. Sometimes when we think about the garden of Eden. A lot of people think. There were two trees. <laughs> two of them. And uh, God planted Adam and Eve. Right next to that tree of knowledge. And right there. And every day they had to like. Bump their noses into that fruit. And be like. What? Oh, what's going on? Oh, it's here. Let me. No, no, no. Imagine a bountiful garden with everything that you can ever dream of. And I think from time to time they would just come by that tree and be like, oh, one day. <laughs> you know how the guys are with the computers and technology and stuff when you're like, you know, you can't touch it. You can do anything you want. Especially where more my Oregon people at. Oregon people at. You know, you go out there. Like, you know, you guys. Actually, you know what? L.A. is really close to us. Because you have the, the ocean here and the mountain, right? Very close. Our mountains are a little more pretty. But, um, but you know, you, you, we actually have mountains. But what's going on is you, you can go anywhere you want. But all of a sudden, you keep passing by your computer, by your thing. And be like, ah. You know, you can go anywhere you want. You have the world. And yet, 
They're just the, the bountiful place of like just the bounty of that garden is just beautiful. God created a perfect world. In the world created by God, everything has meaning, everything has purpose, and everything is bountiful. Say it with me, everything has meaning. Thank you to five people that are still with me. Everything has meaning. In the world God created, everything has meaning. Now I want you to look at verse. Chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. Please look at that verse with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. And to the men he said, this is God's voice. Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to, to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns. Ooh, and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and the dust you will return. The world corrupted by men is a world, in the world tainted by sin, everything is corrupt. Everybody say corrupt. What a different image here. And it's just, you know, guys, watch this. And it's one thing. They just didn't listen to one thing. Do you know what cursed means? Do you know God curses the snake? God curses the land. But he doesn't, doesn't curse men. He curses the land. You know what to curse something is? To deem it for destruction. He said, because you did this, you are deemed to be destroyed. And because you did this, this world, this beautiful world that I've created now is so corrupt that it has to be destroyed. It's deemed, for, it's cursed. It's deemed for destruction from one sin. You know why? Because I believe God knew that what started there is going to end up in New York. What started with one disobedience, with one act of disobedience, is going to lead to a path that we... Just corrupt everything to a point that you just have no idea. I had a chance to be in um, South Sudan many times and to see people dying of hunger. I had a chance to be in China and listen to people that were beaten by the communist government. You know, the socialism, some of you might play with, the, play with socialism as an idea. Some, some of the millennials, 62% of millennials in this country believe socialism is the best idea ever. 62%. And I want you to know that by 1994, socialism in the form of communism killed 120 million people. 120 million people in the name of creating the perfect man. Oh, what a beautiful thing. So, two worlds. And you know what sits right in between those two worlds? What hangs right in between those two worlds? The question, where are you? Where are you? Now, let me tell you something about this, where are you? Because I started a hashtag, so might as well put some meaning behind it, right? You know what this question actually gets translated to in original? It's one of the most beautiful things. I heard a rabbi talk about the meaning of this, and that, that sparked my curiosity about this question more than anything else. Um, reading Genesis in January is like going to the gym in January. <clears throat> How many of you are done? You, you started January, Gen Genesis chapter 1. How many made it to 5? Right? How many, 
but you're still paying the subscription. Aren't you paying the subscription? Anyways, but, but you start in January and all of a sudden, but that's why I'm happy that Genesis 3 is still there in your first steps. Like you just started reading the Bible this year. That's it. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to start reading the Bible in January. And by like February, you don't even know where your Bible is. So the, the cool thing, and, and you know what's really cool? I had a guy in my ministry in, in Portland and, and I was like, hey, open up your Bible. And I was like, he was... <laughs> He was, he was on his phone, and I'm like, what you doing? He was like, I'm on my Bible. And I'm like, yeah, right. So I'm like, show me. And he just opened the Bible app, like right then. You know how he went in and just opened the Bible app? I mean, he was showing me that he opened the Bible app, but basically he was updating because he's never opened it before. And he was just like, and I was like, ah, you've never opened your Bible. You're not on your Bible app. Whatever. You see, that's what's happening here in, in this Genesis 3. It's, it's very good for us. Every time you start going with your Bible reading, I want you to consider coming to the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis will tell you where we came from, what's happening today, and where you're going. And it has the explanation, the mere fundamental explanation of what's happening in the world today. In between the world God created, the perfect beautiful world, and the world that we have corrupted, and the world today, is this question, where are you? I want to tell you the meaning of this question in original. Where is your rightful place? Where do you belong? So let me paint this picture. Ready? Are you with me? With me? God and man had a meeting time every evening in the cool of night. Every evening they had a chat time. They had a fellowship time. They, come, they came and met in the same place every evening. They came to meet. And God was so excited to meet with man. And he, God came, came to the place of meeting. He's coming there. And guess who's not there? For the first time, the first time, Somebody is not there at the place where they would meet every night. Every evening they would meet in the place. God comes excited to fellowship and the man is not there. And God asks a question that if you have absolutely no brain function, you would think that God wanted to pin the location of Adam. Hey, send me a fine friend's pin location because I don't know where you are. Because you decided after you bit from the tree to hide behind the tree. How interesting that is. Hashtag where are you? That's a cool statement. So after you use the tree to, to build that, now you're hiding behind the tree. And you think God didn't see him? God was not asking Adam where his location is. God was asking Adam from his place of meeting. His first question was, what, what are you doing? Where, are you, where is your rightful place? Where are you supposed to be? Isn't this question already terrifying? Isn't this question already life-changing? To know that the God Almighty, he looked, he came to the place of meeting with men. Men were, was not there. And then he said, I've, I have a place for you. This was our spot. This is our place. Where did you go? Where is your rightful place? Ooh, baby, this starts a discussion this weekend. Where is your rightful place? So, Two things really quick. One, the moment God opened his mouth in that meeting spot, he revealed his character. God revealed his character. Anything else he would have said, he would have showed a lot of aspects of our God. First of all, God could have been hashtag facepalm. You got to be kidding me. Like you have no idea what you did. And do the shame game, right? God easily could have been like, are you ridiculous have you lost your mind god could have pulled a romanian parent on, on on them right you know how they do it right they hit you first and then they ask questions if something happens if something happens in the back right they're like what who did it right 
They hit first and then ask, this is not recorded, right? Because this is child abuse and then we're going to get in trouble. But, 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 but think, he could have done it. He created them. And he, he could have said anything else. But this question, I feel, revealed God's parental heart more than anything else I've ever heard so far. Do you think he didn't know where he was? God looked at this mere, I don't know, scene, him hiding behind a tree, and said, where are you supposed to be? If that does not open up a God that cares, you know what I would have done? Tell you this what I would have done. I would have left him there behind the tree for three days. Butt naked. That, it's in the Bible. They were naked. They just covered themselves with fig leaves because they apparently were afraid. But that's a lie. I would have left them there. You know what? Sit there and think about what you did. This reveals God's character. And I want you to know, listen to me. Listen to me. A lot of you have a lot of ideas about God. And they're wrong. A lot of wrong ideas about God. His record speaks for himself. He has searched people ever since. Moses didn't go to God. God came to Moses. Daniel didn't look for him. God revealed himself to, to Daniel. Um, can I talk about Jesus? See, very fascinating that we're missing this large concept of the fact that he has, since Genesis 3, has searched for us. And his question is still, do you know you have a different spot? Where are you? Where are you going? I want you. I really, really want you. Where are you going? I have a meeting spot for me and you. Just me and you. Let's get together. Let's meet. Let's talk. Whoa. I want you to know something. I have a two and a half year old. Two and a half year old. And God has blessed me to create somebody that has my character and my crazy just on a smaller size. It's so hard to fight with her. Because I look at her and I'm like, mm, I would have done that. But no. <laughs> you're not allowed to do it. She's going through a phase right now, which I think is one of the cutest and most concerning phase I've ever experienced in my entire life. She comes and tells me she's going to do something bad, and then she tells me where she's going to do it. She's like, Tata, I'm going to go eat this crayon in the closet. Don't come after me. <laughs> and she goes in the closet. She legitimately closes the closet door and stays there, and I can just like see crumbs falling of the crayon. And I'm sitting there. And sometimes she plays the game where she takes all the stuff. Or, or that's, I'm sorry, TMI, right now, too much information. That's where she goes to poop. She legitimately, I know. So this, watch this. She goes in the closet. So I, I need to play the game. Hey, where are you? And she's like, <laughs> where is she? Anybody seen her? And we played this game. I'm like, so tired of this game. Where are you? Where are you? I ask, ask a question. But I'll tell you this. I think God knew something, exactly what I'm finding out with Josephine right now. When they went behind the tree... God could have said a lot of things. You know why? Because every single time Josephine goes in the closet, I, need, I know there's a price to pay. I either have to wash the whole closet wardrobe or the door, or there's a massive diaper change coming my way that I wish that upon every single person on you here to experience that one time in your life changes the whole priority of life right there. I have to pay a price because she goes in the closet. And I think when Adam was behind that tree, God knew in that instance, listen to me, what price he's going to have to pay to bring him back. He knew. And he still said, where are you? Where is your rightful place? 
I want to tell you one more thing. Um, God has a place for you. I know that from the Bible. John 14, John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. I am going to prepare a place that where I am, you shall be also. God has a place for you today. God has a world between the world that God has created and the world corrupted by men. There's this question, where are you? And I want to I tell you this. For example, one of the things, I, I want to give you this verse from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. So you know, we're just starting the discussion. That's it. I'm stopping this morning. But I want to start the discussion with you. Galatians chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. You know, God always intended for men to be free. If right now, if I were to ask you, hashtag, where are you? And there's any form of addiction or any form of boundage in your life, you're not where God intended for you to be. If right now, God had a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a clear plan and purpose for your life. If hashtag, I come to you and I say, where are you? Where are you supposed to be? And you're going down a life of career and greed and all that. And that's your life. That's not, you're, not, you're not supposed to be there. God created a path where you stay with Him. Stay connected with Him. Close to Him. Can, can I say that I believe God knows better than you where you're supposed to be? Hashtag, where are you? You can use that. I really believe God knows better than you where you're supposed to be. So my last thought for you this morning is, isn't it interesting? Observation. Hashtag observation. Watch this. Isn't it interesting that the first question in the Old Testament is, where are you? And the first question in the New Testament is, where is the king? The newly born king. My desire for you this weekend is that you move from that question that God has been asking in your life for so long. Hey, where are you? Where are you supposed to be? All the way that if you, by the end of this weekend, get to ask the question for yourself, where is this king that was born recently? We have done something tremendous here. So hashtag where are you represents God's desire to save an entire world, starting with you this weekend. And hashtag where are you? Hey, listen, we made a deal. I'm done. So the deal is, Hashtag, I want you to hashtag that and bug every Instagram, Twitter, any user that has any connection to hashtag. And we can start a revolution. You can become a missionary today because it's not about location. It's about the message, the good news, and about delivering that message and creating relationship with people. So hashtag, see you tonight.